Welcome back to Cast of the Unplucked Gems. This is John Gronin. At the conclusion of the Up to Here episode, I went around the table and I asked if Up to Here was the Tragically Hip's best album. I got some no's and a half yes that was from our producer, Matt Walkie, and in all honesty, I think I coerced him. He may have been pushed into that. So although a great album, I think it was consensus in the room that this was still a pre-Apex offering from the hip. I do think we're going into the golden years of the band now. There's an unmistakable confidence in these next albums. It is a course down to taste and which iteration of the group you most enjoy. But I can firmly say that as far as I'm concerned, this is the best Tragically Hip album. You're listening to Cast of the Unplucked Gems, and this is Road Apples. So guys, for me, this is the sweet spot between bluesy bar band players and intellectual artists. And that's to say it's almost entirely bluesy bar band. This is an album full of fan favorites like Three Pistols, Cordelia, and The Luxury. But aside from Little Bones, it is devoid of radio hits. If you're like me, you left this CD in the home stereo you duct taped into your 86 Chev Nova for weeks at a time picking up where you left off and listening through it yet again. For an album that was released 10 years prior to the start of our high school days, it was absolutely ubiquitous amongst our friends. And it does get my vote as the band's strongest work because cover to cover, I enjoy every listening. The album is without dry spots. And for that reason, I will be championing two B-sides from the back of the album. Gentlemen, it is my distinct pleasure to be hosting this episode and to be in the company of our producer, Mawaki. And my friends and co-hosts, Steve Barg and Brad Van Paradon. So I'll ask you guys for your opinion. Am I a tad over the top in my reverence for this record or, uh, or am I right on the money? Wow, you got me jacked up for this podcast. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Uh, no, I know, I, I don't disagree with anything you said in the slightest. I think this is the most cohesive offering from the band. It is the, uh, in terms of an album, it has a, it has a feel all its own. Um, like you said, there's maybe not that iconic song, like a New Orleans is Sinking, like a blow it high dough. Of course, everyone knows knows Little Bones, but I mean, as an album from cover to cover, it's just it's hot. Like it just doesn't stop. It's pretty relentless. So yeah, uh, I do really love it, and it, it blends so well. The songs complement each other tremendously. Uh, it's pretty. Uh, it has its own voice, and um, yeah, I'm really pumped to talk about it. Song order is, uh, is is something that's a real strength on this. I mean, the album seems to flow really, really well. It's a bit of a lost art in uh, in the download era of music, um, but it really does seem to flow song to song. I just wanted to jump in and say that too. So. Totally agree, John, and I agree with you as well, Steve. Um, awesome album. Um, song flow was one of the things I had on here, uh, which I'll get to. But my just first impressions of the album, you know? Um, I think it might also be the funnest hip album. Hmm. There's so many good rockers on here. Um, the way you start with Little Bones, like what a way to start an album. We talked about that with Up To Here, the riff of Blow of High Doe. I think they take that to another level with the opening riff of sure. the album with Little Bones. Sure. And it really is, it's kind of an expansion for me of um, the Up To Here sound. Um, right. They're taking it to another level with um, just 
with the groove that they bring through the whole album, it just has this confidence. It has like a, you saw what we did last time, hold my beer, check this out. You know, it's got like a real ballsy groove throughout the whole thing. The playing is tight. The playing is amazing. As much as we're going to get into the lyrics and stuff, I think musically, this is one of the, the better albums as well. As a, well. And a, I'm going to be pointing that out throughout the throughout my takes on the songs is really have an emphasis on the music. Well, then don't spoil it now. Yeah. If I could just jump in <laughs> super quick, I want to expand a little bit on what Brad says. This is a statement album. Right. This is like exactly. a team. This exactly. is like a young Chicago Blackhawks that goes to the finals <laughs> and loses uh, or they go to the conference finals one year, they lose, and then people think, uh, well, show me again. And they go and they win the cup. It's Canadian That's... podcast, folks. Hey, yeah, well, we're talking. Yeah. About, we got listeners in Chicago too. We got listeners all over the place. Sorry about your team this year. We don't have to get into hockey. We all like bad <laughs> hockey teams here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's, I, I, um... should should we say something too? Um, there has not been a, a hip album so far uh, on the show. I I think fully completely is the first one that shares the title with a track on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's such a cool thing when bands have the uh, gusto to name an album <clears throat> what they think that album means to them, uh, and not just to you know say this this album has fully completely so it's called yeah, fully yeah. this is the single yeah. this is the single so yeah. in this case a frozen yeah. piece of shit yeah absolutely yeah so road apples for the uninitiated yeah. and there's a picture of a horse right on the front yeah for the uninitiated it's, a road apple yeah. is a petrified horse turd and yeah. or i think cow turd. <laughs> or cow turd i think it really does convey the the gauntlet being thrown down by the band we are on the road like this is a touring yeah, road song, Agreed. and 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 a road tuned in. Like like the band is tight. They sound like a real tight band that has been playing on the road for a long time, honing the sound and getting it. Like it's yeah. it's a really tight album. Absolutely, that was something I was going to say too. Is this is an album that was recorded in the studio, rehearsed already. Mm-hmm. I don't think they mm-hmm. were sounding very many things out in the studio. <clears throat> I can see that for sure, yeah. Okay, well, uh, let's take a closer look at uh, some of the tracks. Go ahead, Steve. I believe you've got the first one. Well, I'm going to go ahead and talk for a moment about the track Twist My Arm. So there's a lot to get into with Twist My Arm. This is a song with um, seemingly, at first glance, the lyrics are jumping all over the place. Um, And it's perfectly kind of mimicked by uh, the way Gord sings it, especially live, and I'll get into that in a moment. But what I want to talk about first is Gord Sinclair on this track, um, laying down the groove. Uh, A little bit of bass talk. We've got a bass player here. I don't know, I don't know, Matt, if you've ever listened to this song with ISO bass kind of just keying in on the bass for this song. Um, But when you do that, you just realize just the amount of groove power within this individual. I think he's underappreciated as a Strong groove, strong groove. It flows and it's powerful and it's, uh, it just keeps going. So uh, that's my first suggestion for any listener out there who, looking to check this track out iso bass that yeah, yeah absolutely give it an iso bass listen 
Um, ba how about how about this base boost? I just made that up. Base boost. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on base boost. <clears throat> um, on your old Panasonic shockwave. <laughs> so lyrically, this song is uh, there's a ton to dig into. Um, it is a song about gullibility, uh, from my <laughs> reading anyway, um, and kind of the two sides of gullibility. Um, first thing I want to talk about is when we look at the chorus, I think it's really important to note, it seems like a minor detail, but it's super important to note uh, what the question is. Uh, so if I were just to read out the chorus, it's, do I want to, with all that charm, do I want to, twist my arm. But when you hear the song, it is more so, it sounds like the question mark is at the end. Do I want to twist my arm? Do I want to twist mm -hmm. my arm? That doesn't make much as much sense, um, but it's not like we would kind of put it over Gord Downey to do something that we don't understand. So basically, we need to read this lyric as somebody who's asking for his arm to be twisted, his or her arm to be twisted. Um, do I want to? Do I want to get charmed? Twist my arm. Right? Lie to me, right? Exactly. Lie to me. Can put me in put me in the mood, charm me. Uh, there's tons of or there's a couple important biblical references in this song. Um, first, lull me overboard, out cold, gathered in and swallowed whole. That's uh, going to Jonah and the whale. The whale. Giant fish. Giant fish, sorry. <laughs> right, sorry, giant uh, yeah, fish. Gotta make sure we he's, get that he's one not right. wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. Does that mean I'm the Bible guy by de <laughs> default? Well, Turns you, out. You, you might have a lot to say on this one then, John. But uh, so Jonah, obviously, he's going to uh, one of these cities. I don't know, Nimidia or Nimieth to, to warn the citizenship of the city about their uh, sinful ways. And he goes on a ship and... The ship encounters a storm on the way to the city, and he says, throw me overboard mm -hmm. to the crew, and they throw him overboard, and he's swallowed up. As he knew was going to happen, he was swallowed up by the great fish and taken to the city where he could warn the, uh, the people. Um, and, of oh. course, then he, he talks to God and says, hey, God, I, I did it. You know, I knew the fish was coming. God gives him some shade with a little leaf because uh, it's very hot where he is. But then God sends a worm. How generous. Yeah, well, exactly generous. But then God sends a worm to bite the root of the leaf, thus withering the leaf. And his shade goes away. And Jonah begins to complain because he had shade and now he doesn't. And then he is smitten by God or something, rebuked at the very least. <laughs> um, and so I got, I'm sorry I got, I gotta say too smitten means he's got kind of like a child like a boy boy crush on you know yeah. like a tiger a tiger beat sort of crush on the lord what, you no, want him to be smitten 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 smite yeah, right. nah. but sure. I don't know I think yeah, go smitten might smitten yeah. Nah. Yeah. anyway he may have been both um <laughs> the in the next verse after the chorus, he starts talking about uh, what was that supposed to prove? Throw the calf, or he'll throw you. This is a story where of the golden calf, where uh, Moses goes away on his walk, uh, mm. and then the people 
uh, think he's going to leave, and some guy named, I don't know, something or other, Aaron, maybe he says, well, give me your gold and I'll make a calf, and that will replace Moses and we will worship the golden calf. And then, of course, that's very upsetting for Moses. He comes and throws the golden calf down. In both, in both cases, these, these tales are about, uh, don't question me. Don't mm-hmm. question me, right? Don't, mm-hmm. you, you do you, but this is, this is God and God is the, yeah. the thing that's kind of, you know, late, don't bite the hand that feeds kind of. Yeah. And, and sorry, later in, in hip lore, he writes, don't wake daddy, which is from the perspective of God, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it's like. I do things, it's mysterious, shut up, deal with it. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's something, yeah, that, that he's been digging at. And Gord pecks at those sorts of things. For sure. And yeah. I think this is just creating a kind of a duality between the gullible and, and the people who are manipulating the situation. Sure. I don't think he's coming at this from a, a view or a point of view of God being um, the manipulator. I think it's a, a people thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they create... That creates this world, this duality creates a world of, of you know, combat and control. Um, and it's, Gord writes, or he refers to it as sucked in by the victim world, thirsty as a cultured pearl. Great line. I got news for you. Cultured pearl, that's not even re- really a pearl. Mm-hmm. That's a pearl that's been created by a guy who went down to the... Uh, what he, puts, he called the clam. Yeah, he put some shit in the clam. Put some shit in the clam, and then the clam <laughs> thinks that it needs to defend itself, and it does it by calcifying. Right, so it's farming pearls. Um, cold, cold and wood, bit and chewed. It won't hurt if you don't move. So I think this is just the song of the, the, the power dynamic, at least, between those who are telling the story and, and keeping the control mm-hmm. and those who are kind of you know, accepting that, that role. Sure. Um, one thing that I definitely want to talk about is, uh, the conversation, the martyr conversation. I see it as a conversation anyway. Uh, the, the verse goes, martyrs don't do much for me, though I enjoy them vicariously. (laughs) After you, no, after me, no, I insist, please, after me. How Canadian of it, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see this as someone who's maybe, if we see it as a power hier- hierarchy, of a martyr would be lower on the, mm-hmm. the power, on the totem pole, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And this would be someone higher talking to the martyr. Right. And uh, he say, first he says to himself, as an aside, martyrs don't do much for me, though I enjoy them vicariously. Of course you would enjoy a martyr vicariously. That's the best that's way the to do it. That's, yeah. that's the point of the martyr. That's the point of the martyr. It's an yeah. unreal line. And then, uh, of course, the martyr is insistent that, uh, I know, after me, after me, I insist, please, after me, uh, which is uh, because he, he's funny. He's going to, you know, get his reward in the sure. next life, right? Whereas sure. yeah. the yeah. real power is enjoying their reward in this life. Um, hey, can I ask you just before we move on from, from that? And I'm sorry to interject quite no, so absolutely. much here, too. Somewhat ironic. I mean, <clears throat> knowing the fate that befalls the gourd, the way it all turns out, when you do 
when you have a catalog that's this deep and varied, there there's a few songs that have a tragic irony in them. Oh, for and, sure. and the Martyrs Don't Do Much For Me line falls into that category mm-hmm. because people, mm-hmm. people have projected so many things onto the death of this guy that... You know, yeah. he, he did and, and, and sort of is, in a way, our martyr, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wanted to pause and take a second. You know, all of these lines, they were written for a certain purpose, but they can also be viewed through this sort of weird, you know, pathos lens, you know, where yeah. we know how it all turns out in the end. And, and, and it, but, it, it, I've been, I've been grappling with this where we, we do some of the lyric, uh, you know, we disassemble some of the lyrics and find meaning in them. His death brings new meaning to some of these, you know, and uh, an always unintended meaning. It, I, I just was wondering if you guys ever got pangs of this as well. No, for sure. But I think it's like, I think the point is, it's like you said, when you have a catalog, this deep, yeah. And you've sort of, you know, trolled through the depths of human emotion and human situations for as long as he has. You're bound to come up with so many sort of lines that will be about the, the big themes of life. And some of those, you know, themes are definitely here on this album. Yeah, I think that that's unavoidable. Um, there's other examples of that too. Scared, sure. yeah. uh, inevitability, yeah. death. Oh, that's the Which big we'll get to me. in later episodes. Yeah, that's the big one for I me. Think, but I, I see those as kind of somewhat incidental. Like well, I, I, I gotta say, We'll Go too is yeah. about dying. They've yeah. all, what can you do? They've all gone and We'll Go too. Yeah, it makes a guy cry for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Not, Which, not now, because I'm pretty tough on the podcast, but, sure, you yeah. know, in my weaker mm-hmm. moments. Yeah, and I, the, the second last um, studio album, right. Now for Plan 8, I think, yeah, yeah. was, um, you know, that was written largely for his wife, who is battling a uh, form of cancer, right? So, right. I mean, th- you can see it in those songs as well, and then it... I'm sorry to have gotten you totally derailed. No, it's a bit of a derailment, but I think it's important. Um, it's a good, it's a good conversation. We'll have it a lot throughout mm-hmm. these podcasts. I think. Yeah. Anyway, the last thing I wanted to say about this um, this song is the the verse that goes like this: A musical chairs, double dares, memorized stairs, shooting off flares, springtime hairs and broken down mares. Coward phones, big soup stones, prideless loans, grill sick crows, motel moans, and a big fat Jones. This, <laughs> I have to say, I've seen this song live a few times and it's uh, it was um, a little bit special for me. It was the first song that they played in their last tour of the show that I saw in Vancouver. They came out and they just ripped it up crushed it oh they crushed it it was it was a sight to see but this when he does this these two verses Mm -hmm. it's like and he's screaming by the end of it oh yeah it's like a like the delivery is the delivery is amazing it's like watching a a champion boxer uh warming up combos you just punch Mm -hmm. punch and it's coming from everywhere it's coming from every angle uppercut to the to the body yeah. and then uh, the knockout blow, um, and it's just you don't know where to look, you don't know where to turn, and mm. and it's just um, it's so I don't know, it's everything. It's elegant, it's quick, it's it's uh, there's meaning there, but also just the sound 
just the sound of it is just so incredible to me. So You, you know what it feels like to me? It, it's, it feels like he's not very precious about saving or stowing away his great ideas. Like, <clears throat> that is a series of incredible uh, illusions and mm-hmm. imagery, and he just blasts mm-hmm. them off like he's like he's behind a Gatling gun. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he has no concern for yeah. saving or crafting these into songs of their own. He's just... He's just throwing them away almost. Yeah. Uh, it's it really does speak to how good he was at generating the, these these beautiful little bits of imagery. It make, yeah, makes absolutely. you wonder makes you wonder who his influences are in in music. I, or maybe they're all just in literature. Maybe that's what we're seeing here. Is yeah. is, is is it's just more poetic than anything else. When you look, I'm going to say this is um, just from the musical standpoint to take a jump to the musical standpoint we're talking about like these statement statement things and we mentioned that this is kind of a statement album mm-hmm. you know the band is right with Gord. sure you know just giving him that backdrop to 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 lay this stuff down but i think this is also a, like we talked about the groove i've mentioned the groove earlier like this is one of those songs that has that groove and it's throughout the album i think you'll see like we kind of, I think we sometimes take for granted, you know, because it's such a solid groove. It can sound simple. It can sound like the band is just, mm-hmm. you know, grinding away. Mm-hmm. But when you listen to what they're doing, like Steve said, iso bass, or just like take a moment to listen to the instruments and how they are playing with each other. It's a theme that goes throughout the album for me musically. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just one of the just look at this band, you know, holding nothing back. Mm-hmm. The delivery on the songs, it's incredible yeah absolutely twist my arm is a perfect example right after you've come off little bones mm-hmm. get out of town get out of town it's gonna <laughs> blow you away yeah I, it's a song we could talk about for a long long time uh but i think that's mostly what i have prepared we can sure. move on to the next song i believe um brad you're up yeah no doubt um i thought this is the next song on the album i believe cordelia Ooh. Um, and you know, we talked about album flow and I think it's worth mentioning, you know, the, how the first three tracks of this album go. We didn't specifically discuss Little Bones, but Little Bones to Twist My Arm, Twist My Arm, then into Cordelia. My goodness. Perfect. Um, and this, this, this riff is the way this, uh, song opens with the riff is again, just, so no, this riff is a perfect example, example of the tightness I was talking about. But the band really kicks in after Gord's first verse. They, the way they use this, um, the riff, and then they use a similar riff throughout the ver- uh, end of every verse. And basically, you know, kicking it up a notch every time they need to, every time the Gord needs a little punch up. Um, and I want to say, note the slide work that plays off of Gord lyrics. The way, he, the way he uses the space, the way that Baker uses the space. And as a bass player, again, what a groove. The way he's working with Langlois and the rhythm plucking that he's doing, I, you know, this is incredible, incredible stuff. Um, to get to the lyrics, I'm actually, I'm going to have to defer to you guys a lot. These lyrics seem, this whole album seems, there's so much going on. I have trouble kind of figuring it all out. Um, I think this song, you know, it's delivered some of these lines with these sort of existential angst. It's kind of the same thing as Twist My Arm where he's demanding a, you know, he's really asking something of you. He's telling you, um, 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's tough because <clears throat> there's a there's a kind of a sarcastic hatred that flows through this album. You could sort of imagine that he's just trying to sound cool. Like these are lyrics that just sort of you know, they sound a certain way in the listener's ear and that's why he's done it. But I don't know, if you take the deep dive and and I certainly did on the profiles that that I prepared, it there's there's something to talk about. There's something to think about. I mean, he got biblical and twist my arm, and I don't think that there's any doubt that that's what he was channeling, what he was talking about when he wrote that song. But again, there's kind of this feeling that, oh, well, no, this medium is too simplistic. He must not be talking about, you know, it must not be this high concept. It's only a rock album. It's not. It just it just isn't. You know, no. as, as deep as you want to go and as deep as you want to take your interpretation of the lyrics, it, it matches you with, with you know, substance. There's something there that he offers to you, um, as uh, you know, as as fuel and 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 food for f- you know for your dissection. Really, it, it's a cool, it, it's a really cool album. And and Gord is one of the only guys that does this. You know, he'll have. He's like Dylan in the way that there are people that just talk themselves, think themselves in circles. Um, yeah. You know, and sort of second guess themselves. Like, am I reading too much into this? Am I making too much of it? I, I, and again, I really don't think so. I think it's, it's sort of, it's, it's that good. Like the, the imagery he uses of, uh, spitting from a bridge just to see how far down it is, makes you feel dangerous and sort of unanchored and untethered. Like it makes you feel kind of psychotic in a way because we've all known that feeling of standing on the edge and he's described it he's described it right there and he sort of shows the pointlessness of why we do things just to Mm. see how far down it is it's really creepy like yeah yeah sorry and i don't mean to go to go too long no no it's good i was i was lost in some thought there so i'm glad you picked me up but i mean it's to me it it, um it seems like you know like you're numb you know he's trying to find the feeling you know tin can man dragging from a car Mm -hmm. just to find out how loud you really are Mm -hmm. you know it's just yeah it's test me try me let's see how this you know Let's see how far it can go. Let's see until we find something. Sure. And uh, I think Twist My Arm kind of has a bit of that too, you know, is what I was trying to say in uh, the way he delivers the line of, do you want me to twist my arm? Right. This is kind of the same thing. Let's see. Let's let's go. How far do you want to go? Mm-hmm. Screaming at Macbeth just to see how much bad luck he really gets, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, which is a, a Shakespeare reference. And I think too, the song, you know, it has a, um, a Shakespeare reference throughout. Cordelia is a Shakespeare character from King, King Lear. Hmm. Um, it's news to me. She's yeah. So King Lear, King if you don't daughter. know, yeah. King Lear's daughter. So King Lear is a tragic Shakespeare character who tried to get his daughters to pledge their allegiance to him, and whoever loved him the most, he would give the most land to. And Cordelia was his favorite daughter, but she refused to to you know pine for his love publicly just in order to get some some land, and so he banishes her, hmm. and then tragedy befalls him and she returns in the end to 
be with her father, but then they both die because it's one of those Shakespeare's where everybody <laughs> dies at the end. Yeah. Um, but you know, the so the odd the the obvious line of um, I'm not Cordelia. There's nothing here. Um, or is that the line? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. Cordelia. Yeah. Cordelia yeah. will not be there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's it. That's you know, it's it's the obvious reference there. And he toys with the theme of blindness. Gord does, which is also a um, a big theme of King Lear. There's a character that's blinded, uh -huh. and the one of the big illusions in the in the play is this idea of blindness. Sure. The characters are kind of oblivious to the dangers that we can all see right in front of them, and they sort of the only way they figure it out is by taking all the wrong steps, and then they come to realization. I think that's kind of what. But he talks um, he talks about it as like an addiction to crime though, right? The thief blinded on the job has to steal for life. It's like once you go down this path, it's the only path you can go down, you know. Which is what King Lear is is, you know, it's about fate. King sure. Lear is I'm not the fate. Shakespeare guy. I'm thing. the Bible guy. So. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I'm trying to be the Shakespeare guy. <laughs> no, that's kind of what King Lear is about. So that's definitely it. And even just using that line, um, a thief blinded on the job has to steal. You know, he uses blind, which is a big, you know, uh, thing in King Lear. So I think the song really is, has a lot of King Lear in it. But is it all, you know, is Gord ever really just going for one big thing? There's a lot of themes I think you can dig into. To throw another Shakespeare in, reference in there with the screaming at Macbeth, I think is really good. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think there is a stage metaphor as well in uh, the two lines he uses, angst on the planks. And treading, treading on the boards or treading the boards. He opens two verses with that. So, like I said, I think there's a, a bunch of King Lear in here. Um, but I don't know, again, if that's all, all it is. I will just say before I throw it to you guys for some more discussion. is, And I'm not sure what to make of this line. So I'll be interested to hear if you guys have takes on it. But my favorite line, two lines in the song, is um, jump into the ring with your hidden cape. The bull can't decide what it is he really hates. For some reason, that just like, you know, it has me pondering. The bull can't decide what it really hates. Mm -hmm. Something about that line just, it's beauty. And I can't even tell you what, I, what it means to me. But <laughs> sure, just the sure. words, the way it sounds, you know, it's yep. just, and Gord is, like you said, John, he's just throwing these things at you yep. in yeah. this album. I think that, um, I, I completely agree, Brad, that there's a lot going on in this song. And there's lots of different directions, directions you can take it. But if you think about when he, he the he was repeating, I'm not Cordelia, I'll not be there, there's nothing there. Um, like if you imagine the amount of conviction, just that little uh, allusion to Cordelia, if you imagine the amount of conviction it would take to turn down parts of your kingdom for not agreeing to well, do then, something from from and that's dad. it it takes all your power to prove that you don't care i mean it's an obvious reference she's yeah. the one that she wants to tell her dad she loves him but can't because of her you know not wanting to betray and do what's morally wrong so it takes all your power to prove that you don't care i'm not cordelia i won't be there yeah and i think it's pretty obvious it's brilliant that, yeah he's saying that he doesn't have that same conviction and we, we could yeah we could um or belief in things. i'm not Cordelia. he doesn't have perhaps doesn't have a, a a nature that he's hammered down yet and i think that might be what the bull's talking of what he's talking about with the bull is the bull is in the ring and it's there's a lot going on and he doesn't know um is he going after the red is he going the cape is it the person 
So he's, I think it's just a, just a commentary on, um, finding your nature, finding yourself, finding your nature. Yeah. I think he's on a, he's on a, a bit of a quest and I think the band, the band is on the road all the time now. And I think he's perhaps not like, uh, completely he's he's still growing by leaps and bounds as a person and uh, as an artist right so i think that he's talking about a lot of the same stuff in twist my arm right he's like how could yeah. you guys you know how could you so reverentially uh believe in in these things how could you swallow this stuff so whole um, yeah i've got I'm, questions i'm, I'm questioning things what's well, yeah. well, I, I, I don't know. I've got to say too. I'm not Cordelia. I'll not be there. Just means I'm not going to come in at the end and take. You know, like I don't love you enough to swoop in at the end. And again, I'm not the Shakespeare guy. But I, you know, there won't be a happy ending from me. I don't have that sort of purpose to me. And then yeah. the, the question that you asked, the bull can't decide what it is that he really hates. I think it has to do with compulsion things that you feel compelled to do and you don't know why. Um, this is something yeah. that I think about lots. I think about it all the time. When you feel things, uh, the natural thing to do is to ask why you feel those things and address those whys. I think sometimes people just feel things and it's hard. It, it's, it's really hard to admit that, you know, this is, this is what it means to surf the waves of being a human being, uh, you know, uh, but we can That's talk after bit, the show if, we can you, if you need to. If you need to talk to someone, I'm, no, I'm no, 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 I don't need to talk to someone. I, my my sentiment is anti therapy. Damn it! <laughs> no one hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. No. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> um. Well, I'm sure you'll go write some lyrics or something, and then yeah, that'll, that'll solve everything. Um. <laughs> anyway, I think it's a great song. I love the I love the intro to the song. Um, like you were saying, Brad, yeah, I mean, there's one quick little story about this song that I have is, uh, and it's not my story, but I'm a guy who watched, uh, Intimate and Interactive, the Much Music special back Ooh, in the early, I remember early 2000s with the Tragically Hip, and, um, they're going through, they're playing some live songs, doing some crowd questions, and, uh, one of the guys... They, or they start, they take a request from the crowd, which is, I think actually they didn't realize that that was going to happen. I think it was one of, one of the hosts said one of those much music hosts, like Rick the temp or whatever. I forget who it was. And he's like, why don't we do a crowd request? And I think you could see the bands kind of like, ah, what? Um, <laughs> so the guy jumps up and says, uh, could you guys play Cordelia? And... Gord, uh, Gord kind of laughs a little. He's like, I don't, you know, it may seem hard to believe, but I don't actually have a easy time remembering a lot of my own lyrics. And <laughs> I don't, yeah. uh, but, but if you know the lyrics, why don't you come and sing and um, maybe I'll pick it up after I hear a verse or two. And um, cool. And the, cool. the band is on board. They're just like, we got this. So they get into it, and uh, the guy comes up. The, he doesn't actually know the lyrics. <laughs> like, he doesn't know the opening. He can't even start the song. <laughs> and But Gord just seems to remember as the intro goes, and he, 
he picks it up and he he nails it obviously and kind of pushes the guy off to the side but uh it was so interesting to see the band just wail at this song completely mm-hmm. unprepared because there's a lot of complexity to the intro like you're saying there's kind of yeah. like a dual hit kind of thing like a dual come in i don't know how to describe it but mm-hmm. it's a super cool and interesting on song the, to listen to on the last tour there was much ado about all the prompters for gord gord has prompters and gord, yeah. gord's missing a big piece of his brain that that actually i think is probably <laughs> that is probably sure. pretty probably, probably pretty hard. the other but However, if you've listened to enough uh, live bootlegs of the hip, and if you haven't, do it. It's so awesome. They're one of the few acts that will change the songs from show to show. Yeah. Like, you're not just hearing the same retelling of the song you already know. Um, no, that's what made every hip show a, a pleasure to go to. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but what I will say is that... Uh, he forgets the words to some of these lots of these songs live lots. Like it, it happens. It's, it's something that yeah. happens. Right. And it happened before he was having trouble with it. It doesn't mean he's drunk or, you know, there's a part of his brain missing. They're just, a it's a big, big <laughs> undertaking to sing these songs live. Well, you, it's like you said, when you have a catalog this big, you yeah. know, and you've gone through so much stuff and like, and you're dropping these gorgeous lines, you know, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be tough to get through. Absolutely. But um, yeah, if we if we're uh, if we're ready, yeah, absolutely. To wrap this one up, absolutely. Let's move it on. Which I believe it is the next song on the album and album flow. But we'll throw it to you, song. What or you, Steve? What are you we? You can call next? me song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be talking about the luxury. So the luxury, I think, I mean, everyone knows the chorus of the luxury, uh, golden ring, I'm not going to sing it. Yeah. Can we cut that? I don't want that. I'm not going to sing it. Leave it I can't, I can't just read these lyrics no, though, just, without singing it. No, go ahead. Golden rim motor in, soft water and a color TV, so consumed with the shape I'm in, can't enjoy the luxury. Um, uh, on the surface, this is like a beautiful lesson in life, I think. It's like uh, so consumed with the shape I'm in, you know, so worried about what's going on in life, but you can't enjoy the simple things like a color TV, soft water. Um, mm-hmm. You're at the Golden Rim Motor Inn, which I'm sure is a motor inn that, I mean, I know it was a motor inn because I've seen it in Golden. Don't think it exists anymore, but I'm sure it's a, it's a place the band stayed at. I'm sure they, you know, this may have been written in that in that particular motor in who knows but i th- i see this song there's a lot going on in this song in terms of i th- i see that as more of like a accepting a fate or a lot in life hmm. um as someone who might be uh experiencing some loss even throughout the song i'm sort of detecting a little bit just or, chronically or morose, for something just somebody that's always yeah yeah wanting more yeah, yeah. um the, it opens up with beautiful in- imagery with the l- zoo line sobers up and starts to scream and shout a little dose of home fire got him all smoothed out. So of course we think of a, a lion at a zoo and it's, it's, it's woken from its slumber. It's like, Oh my God, where am I? Mm-hmm. And then it gets a little bit of medicine and then it's just all tame and, and 
nice and it's like oh this is a nice place to get be. smoothed so, out this is yeah. yeah well this is from the bible but uh, the lion king of the jungle i don't know if we if everybody knows that's from the bible too. that's a bible that's a biblical a bible. verse too this yeah I, I had no idea yeah so <laughs> here i am here i am only operating with half the bible mm-hmm. um that must be in the new testament i'm but, a new uh, testament guy god gave names to all the animals yeah. so. anyway <clears throat> so um there's lots of great imagery in this song uh, cannibals saving all their bones for soup that just yeah. conjures such a great visual and almost a taste i don't know if you guys have ever tasted human but if you have then maybe it's uh <laughs> then you have the taste then you, you have know. the taste you know the in your mouth too windigals <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, eating with my fingers and sucking holes of ships my parasite don't deserve no better than this so there again there you see this self-loathing there i don't even deserve better than to be a barnacle mm-hmm. on a ship and it, there's a well as a as a parasite guy as a oh, parasite scientist wow, this is true there's a there's a there's we've a wandered big, into brad's realm <laughs> this is my realm yeah i never thought we'd get here uh it is there's a woodworm there's a like a, a giant worm that eats into the hull of old wooden ships you know from the 1700s or whatever, the old wood ones. Old and wooden really ships. I can't not think about Anchorman right now, Brad. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, man. But it is. and that's But that's it. They suck on the hulls of ships like he's describing this. And it's kind of weird that Gorgeous Note, you know, is throwing in a woodworm, giant ship parasite. Well, see, once again, you know, once as, as the choice of his of his to make his uh, image, yeah. we, we ask, are we reading? Are we are we giving Gord too much credit? No, the answer we're not. is no. no. Like it's we're it's not. never yeah. it's never that we're doing. But I could that. also see it just like, you know, this was pre Wikipedia days. So uh, it's not like he was just like cruising around the Internet and found out about these shipworms. You know, he somehow had this knowledge. But I mean, he uses in the next album, as we'll see. You know, he talks about the explorers coming to Canada. So he obviously has some knowledge of wooden ships, I guess. I don't sure, know. Sure. Things are percolating. Things are percolating. I don't see it. Yeah, yeah. I don't see how the network could use more of an old wooden ship, Ron. Uh, that's a great line. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's good. Um, anyway, so, and, but I think he's talking in the song a little bit about, um, uh, maybe a loved one too, or maybe there's there's a loss of a love here when because he's referring to a, a female character as well. She hear she had it here and she couldn't care less. I think that's where we're talking about the loss and and she says, "Why are you partial to that Playboy con when you can see me naked anytime you want?" By the way, as an aside, why are you partial to that Playboy con? Is the best manipulation of. You guys are all going to hear a different word when I say this lyric, but really I'm saying con. I don't think anybody's listened to that song <laughs> and thought to themselves that, that the lyric there was con. Um, maybe you guys could just imagine what the yeah. word is that I'm talking about. But um, if I had loads of money to take me tame and sour, I could pay you to remind me of my baby by the hour. So I think he's... When he's saying, she says, why are you partial at Playboy Con? He's remembering back to a time where his maybe a, a lady love was asking him, you know, she, you know, he's reading his he's reading his softcore porn magazines and and she's <laughs> saying, uh, why, you know, you can have me anytime you want. Why are you yeah. partial to that? Um, and he's, but this is the can't you, this is what you were saying. You can't the character can't enjoy 
what's right in front of them. You can't enjoy the luxury. Right. You know, aesthetics. Yeah. 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 So I think it's, it's a hearkening back anyway to re- remembering that almost that's a moment that he remembers anyway. Well, I mean, I don't masturbate, but it's uh, it does tell us it does tell us that Gord did. That's what it tells. <laughs> well, who knows if it's like he's, he's talking about Gord or what? But yeah, maybe that's something you could. Uh, well, when you have a away. catalog this deep, yeah. you're going to cover every subject. That's right. I'm too deep in the Bible. I have my. <laughs> yeah, we all know the Bible's take on masturbation. Right. Um, all you can get, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the Bible guy. Yeah. And he said it I'm on the Shakespeare him. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I just love this song. It's simple in a, in a way. I mean, it's it's a lot shorter. If you're looking at the lyrics just in terms of volume, mm-hmm. and you look at a song like Cordelia or even uh, Twist My Arm, those are like huge songs. Those are almost short story or kind of what do you call a long poem. What do you call those? A song? Epics. They're kind of epic in a way. A, a parable. Yeah, yeah, a par- sure. A, no. <laughs> Not a parable. Not it's a parable. an epic. Um, no, you're out of your depth, Bible guy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so anyway, it's simple, straightforward. I love the tune. And again, my God. The riff? Gord Sinclair. This is his, yeah. this is his um, kind of, what do you call this it? This is his Piesta album Rizzi too in Stoss. some ways. Yeah, this is his uh, this is his home run. I think. I mean, he's always great, but I, in this album, I just yeah. I just noticed no, he's, time he's, and time and time again. He's flexing nuts. He's, he's flexing, flexing nuts. nuts for sure. Um, and this in this one, it's different though too. It's kind of jazzy. It's not yeah. as in your face. It's like it's. But it's got this. It's got this groove. Yeah. This groove runs through the whole album. Yeah. You know, like. Even songs you don't expect it to, a song like The Luxury, which doesn't come across like, and this is, sorry, Steve, to cut you off here, but the um, the the flow, we were talking about the flow of the songs. You have now, this is song number four, it's and it's the down. first real it's a, momentum. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the first real yeah. momentum yeah. breaker, shifter, you know, which I think is important with this album, is that it has these that you kind of forget about, mm. you know, because you, you get lulled into the... And you made the boxer illusion earlier. One of you made the boxer illusion mm-hmm. earlier. Um, the album is kind of like that. You're getting, you know, you're getting knocked out with the first three tracks. Little Bones, Twist My Arm, Cordelia, all rockers. Cordelia kind of comes down a bit. And then you get this weird, what are we starting with? This riff, the do 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 you know, just mm-hmm. out of the blue. But then it's got the, it's got the groove. It's got the heaviness in the chorus. And Gorge is just dropping, you know. Dropping bombs, and then yes. once and then once again, road relevant. Yeah, this is this this puts you in the mindset of a touring band. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't he's think he's kind of saying up. this sucks. I thought this would be great. Mm-hmm. Is a little yeah. bit of what what he's saying. Yeah, or at least There's that's a, a perspective. You know, that might be something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and uh, that's that's wrapping up the luxury. Um, let's move along to. Three Pistols with Brad. Right on, yeah. The next one um, I chose to, to do is Three Pistols, as you said. Um, amazing song. I chose it again for the music. This, you know, we're talking so much about the lyrics, but I just keep having to hammer on that musically this album is, you know, one of my favorites. Um, this song is great. Again, the tightness, like the way that they start the song, the intros, you know, they're bringing in instruments, 
They're giving you punch ups when when they need. When he uses when the first time Gord uses that bring on a brand new Renaissance line, they've already had a quick intro. They've added some guitars. The bit like the drums have come in, and then he Gord gives you a verse, and then he sings that bring on a brand new Renaissance. You know, boom, the band just kicks in again, and they use that you know throughout. Anytime Gord needs that punch up or he's using that line, it's um, it's the band is just right with him. Um, but I think. Lyrically, I mean, what the song is about, I mean, Tom Thompson, obviously, um, he mentions him right in the, in the, in the first verse. Uh, Tom Thompson is the Canadian painter who influenced the, the group of seven. So he's a famous Canadian painter, painter, anyone outside of Canada that doesn't know Tom Thompson. Um, he influenced the group of seven, which was then a, a really famous, uh, uh, group of painters, but he died mysteriously on a canoe trip. So we have that line, uh, it's, you know, Tom Thompson came paddling past. I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, so yeah, he died mysteriously. Um, so it's, 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 it's the reference. And I think that when he says, you know, I'm pretty sure it was him. It speaks to this mystery around, um, Tom, Tom Thompson's death. People weren't sure if it was, they say it was an accident, if it was suicide, if it was murder, we don't know. Um, so he kind of plays with that idea. Um, and this one, I like the, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to see what you, what you think, what you guys think first. I'm going to jump to you. Um, like I said, I can't think too much. Um, the, the lyrics baffle me a lot on this album, but I just love them so much. So I want to, I want to jump to one of you guys and, and, and see what you have to think. Well, I, do, I love the opening of the song. I love the riff. Um, it's, I don't know, everything fits together. Like, as you say, obviously, Gord has a fascination with um, famous Canadians, famous Canadian stories. I think Tom Thompson is fits that mold, and there's a mystique around it. It kind of reminds me a little bit of 50, 50 Mission Cap sure. a little bit, and he's got this fascination with um, these people that had such impacts on Canada and culture, and then... Um, they're gone and what's the story of how they disappeared or how they perished it's a mystery but their impact is left and I think he liked singing about that I think he liked singing about that because a to to um, enshrine them in history not that they weren't already enshrined but just to add his add a, another voice to it maybe a more modern mm. voice to it um, I could see like I love Tom Thompson art I could see Gord being a big Tom Thompson guy. I mean, Northern Ontario, Canadian Shield, uh, out in a yeah. canoe, the rocks, the beautiful trees. Like, it's almost like you're there and there's not another soul on the planet, which would make sense, I guess, for Tom Thompson to nobody to know about his disappearance. Um, it's just a beautiful natural area and that's where all of his paintings came from. Again, his influence on the group of seven is... Um, that's the Renaissance. He's yeah, that's about. the Renaissance he's talking yeah. about. Bring on a brand new Renaissance. And the group of seven, I think, became more known than he was. But he's like was Definitely. kind of the godfather of this movement. Um, I think it's kind of interesting how he says 
that my hands were shaking all night long, you know, like, or I was shaking all night long, but my hands are steady. Like, yeah. like now it's, it's time. Like for, for, for whatever yeah. reason, the universe has allowed me, uh, <clears throat> to bring these artistic works into being. Um, this is one of those ones where I don't know that anybody's cracked the code on it just yet. And maybe that mm -hmm. means that uh, Gord didn't have anything specific in mind. Like, we know why Little Bones is called Little Bones. It's this little secret. And if you know it, it makes the song cool, right? We, I, I don't know. Well, I'm sure maybe there's somebody screaming at their cell phone right now saying it's called three pistols because there was three pistols that top tops and had three pistols but the, you know as far as i know no one's no one's really cracked it on this one uh, yeah i'm yeah yeah i was uh and that's what i mean is like i was like i'm, I'm kind of lost mm -hmm. i get lost in the in how much is going on here but i do like that you pointed out that i've been shaking all night long but my hand is steady. Oh, he's a painter. Um, he would line. he would need yeah, to do exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. But it, it speaks it speaks to a number of things, I think. It's like it's this theme of the artist struggling against the work, mm -hmm. you know, which I think you've we've had a discussion before previous to this podcast yep. about bring it on back yep. and that being a theme that goes on there. So I think that theme is 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 here as well, mm -hmm. but it's also, you know, looking hindsight on it, you know, the 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 artist who's struggling, but he has to bring on the re brand new renaissance. Like he knows it's coming. He, one of the, one of the theories about him is that he committed suicide because he was upset that he didn't get his due. Right. You know, like he wasn't getting, you know, recognition. It wasn't working for him very well, but then he comes to do this thing. So it's like, it's this idea, you know, he, the artist having to struggle against what he knows. It's, I, it's not good for me. I've been shaking all night long, but right. I have to do this. I have to bring on the brand new Renaissance because I know it's it's ready. Sure. So you know it it ties into this Tom Thompson myth, it, and the three pistols thing could be. Mm -hmm. There's another theory about his death, um, is that he was killed by one of two guys living on the on the lake, or that he was killed by poachers. Right. So maybe there's some something in that lore sure. that makes three pistols. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's just it's. It's Gore taking a Canadian hero that I didn't, you know, really, really know about, didn't maybe didn't even really care about until I heard Gore, you know, saying about growing up, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't. Yeah, sure. I think it's a definitely interesting to bring up the suicide theory about his death. When I think of the the word, I've been shaking up the lyrics, I've been shaking all night long, but my hands are steady. I'm not. I that doesn't elicit the image of someone who's about to steadily paint some art. That's some, about that shooting yourself in the face, yeah, or some knowing what needs to be done. That's like a right a, and coming to the end, right? And well, maybe and, you're gonna shoot the guy who's paddling past. Maybe could that's be. what it Yeah, means. no, I'm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, maybe there's a little bit of maybe, maybe there, he's positing that Tom Thompson kicked the Renaissance into gear through his death, right? Like. As of, as often happens, it's the death or uh, of the artists that that propels them to to uh, stardom or to uh, notoriety. Or so whatever. we enjoyed him vic vicariously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's a great song. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not gonna, and I know I know for hardcore hip fans, this is a favorite. 
Yeah. I think it's not an uncommon thing uh, to talk to somebody who is a real uh, dyed-in-the-wool hip uh, fan and, and for them to say that this is their favorite hip song. And Gord, okay. Gord himself said that, that for whatever reason, this was his favorite mm. um, song yeah. that he's written. So... Um. If if we're if we're ready, I'm I got one last thought Absolutely. on this. Yeah. And again, it's about it's about the music, but that solo at the end, yeah, get out of town mm-hmm. because when they when they bring in the 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 muted strum breakdown of the riff on the little girls come on Remembrance Day, mm-hmm. you know they're no longer strumming the chords. They break that riff down and just into like a call and response kind of thing with the band with the guitars, and then Baker rips his solo over top of that same. They use that same breakdown riff mm-hmm. to end the song mm-hmm. flex and nuts we're talking about flex and nuts you know sinclair flex and nuts the whole band is flexing nuts on this album with some of these you know um the tightness of some of these groups sure it's it's just incredible sure toy 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 yeah okay well um that leaves me i've got uh a, you get a double shot of groan in here um i I really, really dug in. I, I feel a little bit uh, like there should be a preamble here where I warn you guys. Um, I'm going to be using... You're about to go deep? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to be using some $10 words here and things of that nature. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, I wanted to talk about the song Fight. Now, Fight, I didn't know what the name of this song was called, even though I sort of knew the song and, and would sing along with it. Um, and I never fully grasped the lyrics and the chorus of this song. I'd maybe been too busy singing along to notice. And it was only when I was reviewing all of the album lyrics and prep for the episode that I fully understood the central thrust of this song. There's two separate themes at work in this song. There's the message of pacifism or nihilism in the chorus, and there's the exploration of dual consciousness in the verses. In our chorus, Gord asks, do you think I bow out because I think you're right or because I don't want to fight? There are a couple ways to interpret this. Is he explaining away cowardice? Is it, peace, is it a peaceful message of pacifism? For me, it feels like embittered nihilism, sort of a what's the point, this is all bullshit anyways sentiment. Like, why would I fight you? And, you know, and... Um, and then, and then you've got the verses. The verses endeavor to point out the existence of a separate unconscious state of being. Right from word one, he says, We wake up different, rifle through our dreams. Another placid day ripples at the seams. He talks about the monotony of our waking world. We get so weary taking fish off hooks. It's not as effortless as it may look. In this conscious life, there's a volatility and a fleeting nature to our emotions. Gord says, so tangle-minded, then so be calmed. It's all so subway grim, and then it's gone. There's a realization that the state of mind we inhabit in our dreams is a truer way of being. We lay down seething, smell our pillows burn, and drift off to the place where you think we'd learn. So, tying together the themes in the verses and the message of the chorus is a bit tricky, but I believe that the point Gord is making is that you can't trust the way you think and behave in waking state enough to invest fully in conflict. So I know that that's a lot 
to chew on. I, the yeah, lyrical analysis. Cool take. I like the, it a lot. The, 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 yeah. the lyrical analysis got pretty deep in this one. Yeah. I, I do want to say a couple things about a lot to dig into. Though, well, so fair enough. well, I don't know if anybody's, you know, if anybody out there has ever really thought about the song. And again, I did not really know the name of this song beforehand. It is by far the shortest lyric sheet in you know on the album. It, I quoted every lyric, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to get away from doing that, but I there there wasn't enough there not to. Um, I, I don't know. Do do you guys have a take on anything on anything I just spewed out there? I mean, it, I mean it's way deeper than I've ever gone on on it because you know, like I said, some of these some of these tracks on this album I get lost. But you know, great take on it. For me, it was always just another one of those um, momentum shifters in the album musically. Right, this bluesy ballad that sure. comes in. You know, so yep. it's about the relationship. That's what it is on the surface. The do we want to fight? But Gord takes it into so many different places. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I think that like uh, what you're saying, it it on it reminds me of twist my arm a little bit. Sure. When he talks about uh, sucked into the victim world, and he's talking about <laughs> kind of an artificial right. world where people are doing things that are mostly meaningless because they're in a state of either being controlled by a belief structure or they're mired in some kind of power paradigm where they're, you know, not, they're not coming out on top and, and, you it's know. It's because of this. It's kind of like Edward Norton in Fight Club. Mm -hmm. What's that guy's character's name? He's got two characters. Meatloaf. Yeah, that Sorry, guy. I'm yeah. the Bible. <laughs> no, but I, uh, but but I I know what you're saying. And even you know you said uh, sucked into the victim world, and and the the cultured pearl is all fake Thirsty too. Thirsty as a cultured pearl. Yeah, yeah. well, that's all fake yeah. too. That's yeah. an artificial Absolutely. environment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see. Again, this sort of serves as far as as far as I see it. When deep analysis kind of gets you somewhere and you sort of wonder, am I overdoing it? I don't think you no, are. So. Like yeah. it really is. And, and the beauty of poetry of any kind is that it says big things in small packages, small, easy to mm. understand yeah. uh, packages. And that's, that's, that's what I see here. Um, I had a couple notes about um, the music in the song. This, this one broods like it's measured and snarly. Uh, we also hear some of the improvised gordisms make their way onto recorded uh, tracks on an album. The put them up, I give, I give, put them up, I give, I give, uh, refrain near the song's end had almost certainly been somewhat ad-libbed for color. Um, it's a really terrific deep cut from the band, and I think reinforces my even the b-sides are great stance when it comes to this album mm. yeah for sure totally um it's 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 interesting you know i like that you brought up that this has been these lyrics have been workshop because you mentioned um last episode mm -hmm. the misty moon concert that was on youtube mm. i went back and checked that out and you can definitely hear road apples lyrics it's getting being workshopped yeah on there you can hear um there she blows jacques cousteau yeah yeah yeah, uh, which, which is a twist my arm one, and you can hear he uses the line um, "sucking the hulls of ships." Yeah, so you know it's you know, it's weird. Both in the New Orleans rant, so. it's like he finds these impactful images 
and he and he finds them by like feeling around in the dark on stage live yeah. and yeah. then and then is sort of like a stand-up it's comic. By spitting from a bridge just to see how far down it really is by exploring <laughs> yeah, yeah sure but it's almost like a, a stand-up comic where you write down oh that one worked yeah. You know, yeah, totally. Uh, it, you know, and then and then you see these song, uh, these ideas take uh, shape into their own devoted songs and later albums. It's so mm-hmm. it, it, it's really really cool, especially if you've ever devoted any time to songwriting. Um, yeah. Do you think that when he's workshopping songs, do you think? And I've always just had the theory that a lot of it is generative, right then and there, as in sure. he is streaming it out of his mind and he hasn't come in with a whole bunch of maybe ideas, but maybe not set things that he wants to say in the middle of a song. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that the first live show that I saw online that led me to believe that was the uh, Woodstock tragically hip show where he is, I mean, that's kind of gourd and it's a different stage of their career, but he's still at the top of his game or maybe even better. He's the Um, only guy at Woodstock 94 with his tie tied backwards. That's a fact. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was 99. 99? Yeah. Oh. Because that was, uh, poets, they did poets. It was a phantom, phantom power. Yeah, it was a phantom power. Yeah. Um, We'll cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, this, um, uh, what I love musically about this song, though, is this. We're talking about um, showing off musically, flexing nuts. This is a Gord song, right? This is a singer's song where sure. he's he's um, changing notes. He's going from high to low. He's belting it out. He's it's like, theatrical. He's, he's it's, theatrical. It, it, yeah, and it's, yeah. yeah, and it's very yeah. cool. And the solo in this song, again. It's great. It's just great. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting, John. You said it's the shortest lyric sheet. It is, yeah. I, th- yeah, I it's think. It's the longest. Or no, it's un- the longest. No, wait. Unplucked Gems. Sorry. Our name. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think. I, was I, think just it. I think last of the Unplucked Gems has a shorter lyric sure. sheet. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. But interestingly, I was gonna say, it's the longest song on the album. And it's actually the longest song to date. That the band has done. No Whoa. kidding. Where'd you on, pull that? No kidding. Is there a hip I just, I database? I just noticed that. Yeah. I just noticed Whoa. it earlier today and I actually made a note of it. That's why That's but, why you come here to this podcast. That's right. <laughs> You're not getting that info anywhere else. But I mean, I think I think that speaks to the music of it though, right? Like, Because yeah. you, you have these epic solos, you have this, but, but it's also a song that on the surface isn't one of those rocking ones you know this is one of those momentum shifters too in the album sure where you drop it down a note not a notch but you're still mm-hmm. getting you know amazing powerful stuff but it's like a yeah. dark room basement stage where everybody's sitting around round tables and and uh, yeah. band takes and there's little lighting and you know they're sure. smoky and they just they just play a song like this and it fits right it's, yeah and they just rip it yeah um, the, the second song I did, and it is the next song on the album, like I said, these are two B-sides on the back side of this album, <clears throat> is On The Verge. So we've been talking about how great the band is at propelling a jam forward without much variation. Uh, this song begins with an almost raga drone. And to tell you the truth, I'm never too excited to hear it. But by the end of the song, I'm overcome by the groove, bobbing my head and singing along to Paul Langlois' strange backup style. Um, 
There's also a couple indications that this song was earmarked as a lesser light from the beginning. Um, it has an obtuse snare shot left in at the end of the song, and the verse comes out of the break off time. These are things that can be fixed, but would take some studio hours to devote uh, toward the repairs. Um, now, I should say that in contrast to the song I just profiled, I don't believe that this set of lyrics is as rich in profundities. Uh, many of the images in this song are just plain cool, like so cool that I was compelled to profile this track over Bring It All Back To Me, which is a personal favorite of mine, uh, and a song I have a deep relationship with after singing it live many times. This song is just too badass to overlook. For one thing, it's got the explicit content warning. A rare downy <laughs> F-bomb, or fuck-bomb, if you will. Uh, <laughs> so, to try and decipher the meaning in this song, we have to ask, on the verge of what? And the answer is, liking it here. He's on the verge of liking it here at all. The album is recorded in New Orleans in 1990, and this tells me a couple of things. Uh, number one... There's a kind of fish-out-of-water element to these Canadian lads down in New Orleans. And two, the very fact that they're so far from home means that they've become a road-hardened act. Uh, however, they are hardly rock stars, and there's also an insecurity that comes with being an unheralded vagabond full-time artist. I think that the answer to the first words in this song, Here we are, now where are we? is we are in consumer capitalist big time USA and we are on the road as charlatan artists with nothing of real substance for sale. He talks about his surroundings, <clears throat> the horse-throated hucksters pulling in rubes, and I love the way he voices these rubes as they ask, do I plug it in or do I have to stick it in it? <laughs> which, which to me carries a certain sexual undertone sort of along the lines of sex sells so all the buyers must be horned out this kind of <laughs> this kind of mass mindless trance is certainly a fixture throughout the song where people are compelled to do things without reason and for all of these he calls them headlong walkers the only way is the way blindly forward the real saucy verse in the song is <clears throat> we're the last of the big-time penetrators playing dead to fuck The Undertaker. The movie will come out a little bit later, The Man, The Legend, The Goat, The Satyr. Now, I had to look up the word satyr, and it comes from Greek mythology. One of a class of lustful, drunken, woodland gods. In Greek art, they were represented as a man with horse's ears and tail but in Roman representations as a man with goat's ears, tail, legs, and horns. Or they are the members of a troop of ithephalic male companions of Dionysus. They usually have... They usually have I thought you were the Bible guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is religion, right? They, they usually have horse-like ears and tails as well as permanent exaggerated erections. So <laughs> this this serves on the verge. Yeah, this this serves as further notice that the society Gord finds him in is uh, the sort of uh, compulsion-driven mess. But once again, he and the band, as the self-identified outsiders, are growing to enjoy their surroundings. That's the you know that's the whole thrust of this. Um, 
Thrust. Thrust. <laughs> the, la the last verse talks about the band's place in all this. Here we are, now don't ask why. Uh, or sorry, pardon me. Here we are, now don't ask how. The time to leave was kind of now. Well, don't cry, baby, there's no cause for grief. Deadheading's never gonna kill the chief. It's an empty road without relief, and I'm a highway romance milking thief. So, so deadheading is, de is defined as uh, completing a trip without any paying passengers or freight on board. So essentially, a purposeless venture. Uh, I also have to point out that Gord sees himself as a, quote, highway romance milking thief. Um, <laughs> that's just, that's yeah. just awesome. Again, it, it points to the futility of this consumer society, in my mind, anyway. Um, and again, I never thought I'd like it here at all, but I swear I'm on the verge. Uh, I'd also be remiss not to mention that the verge represents a tipping point or precipice of sorts. So while he's saying that he's on the verge of enjoying his surroundings, I would also posit that he is living close to the edge. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. That's again, a lot to chew on this. This song is just too juicy to pass up. I, I didn't think I'd like it this much, but I swear I'm on the verge guys. I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 just, <laughs> well, hey, I thought we agreed there was no clapping. This is that. definitely, yeah. a <laughs> well, so, well done. Well done. So there's a lot there. And, and again, this is sort of an, you know, a forgotten track, it's not one that uh, you think of when you think of the album, but it's kind of cool that Gord, he has this much to give a B-side. Like, these are amazing mm -hmm. lines. And, and again, really, really um, intense imagery. Like, he's got no short supply of these, um, you know, these really thought-provoking images. It, it, it's so cool. I had I had to champion this song because it, for it to be left left out, I, nobody nobody is ever going to talk about this song ever again. Yeah, it, it's it's a really really cool thing he's done here. You know, delivery delivery too delivery wise yep. near the end of an album. You know to 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 just kick it up one last time and and bring it. You yeah. know on the verge. The, the song is frantic you know they're right the band is playing on the verge you can see how alive it gives gord a chance to you know do his gord thing you could see that this would be a gord song that was like crafted live and, like we've mentioned and, before and paul langua i'm on the yeah, verge the backups, yeah. backups again. classic the backups. langua backups yeah, is, yeah. and juxtaposed with this the song preceding it i think i don't think Fight would have been a good song to end the album on. Right. I think On the Verge. But they don't even... No, on the Verge gives uh, way to Fiddler's Green and right, of course, Last yeah. of the Unplugged Gems. Yeah. But th that's what I mean. On the Verge is the last, you know, it banger. gives you one more yeah. banger. Yeah. 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 And there's, <laughs> like, the sexual imagery is something that, you d that Gord doesn't wade into very often. I think it's sort of one of these things that as he became aware of his influence in the public sphere you sort of back off some of these bombastic statements because they're just you know playing dead to fuck the undertaker this is not a metal band yeah you know like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we don't see a lot of that, yeah. of that from gordon going forward 
pretty much not at all. No, right? no. And, yeah. and it's a very short list of, uh, of F-bombs or fuck bombs that, uh, that, yeah. that occur on, on hip albums. Like just in general, yeah. I, I'm sort of at a loss to think about, um, Tired as fuck is a song. Yeah. On uh, fireworks, the there's an F bomb. No fire yeah. in the hole. And no fireworks. fireworks too. Is uh, you said you didn't give a fuck about hockey. Oh. Well, I yeah. never heard someone say that. And before. then and then yeah. uh, and then fire in the hole. There's this fucking yeah, band this, you gotta uh, see, right? Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a notable song. Like, it's I I feel like I'm kind of in agreement as. When I hear it, or when I hear the opening, what did you call the opening? A raga? Yeah, a raga. Yeah, no, it's like a drone. It's a drone. Yeah, it's like, it's like a, Indian sitar music. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I, <laughs> I kind of hesitate to mouth it here, but you know, it's a relentless thing. And it sounds really thin at the onset. That's yeah. kind of the reason mm-hmm. why I bristle at it. Yeah. But again, this band is good with layering, you know, and they yeah. do have yeah. they do have two guitars. They they have the manpower to kind of layer these these cakes. They do. But I think it's I think it's you know, this is it sometimes it gets it gets lost, you know, because they're so tight together because they they build such a um some is better than you know the parts Mm -hmm. you you forget how good each individual player is playing within their space and if you actually you know iso bass or you know try and focus on some of the 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 things that the instruments are doing it's like you really see the genius of 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 the whole band but it it gets masked almost in this great product because they're so tight it's almost you know what i mean well and 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 gord understands what provocative lyrics sound like you know um you you kind of had mentioned oh this this dim lighting and this smoke-filled room i i think you know uh gord puts his finger on exactly what you were trying to put your finger on in vaccination scar he says it went down like a bad card table light you know, he has this way of saying these things like, like for me, you know, the highway romance milking thief or, or, or in the song before in fight, how he talks about, you know, it's also subway grim and then it's gone. We know what that means, but you know, if that's not a turn of phrase, it's not yeah. like that's an existing yeah. cliche. He just says these things like we'll all get him. And that's sort of something that needs to be talked about for a guy that invested this much time and energy into these lyrics. He's not very big on enunciation. He could, <laughs> you know, he could not care less if you hear what he says. He, he doesn't strain to be heard and he doesn't really care. I, I, I think, you know, you have to have a sort of a bit of an attitude where it's like nobody can tell what I'm saying anyway, but that doesn't mean I'm going to dumb down my product or short sell myself. You know, mm. it's... Well, I think, sorry to interject, I, but I think when he's singing, he's going for sound and I think he's yeah, very good at yeah, that. Yeah. And I think that yeah. at the end of the day, some of the words get lost or some of them may be misconstrued. Yeah. But I wouldn't like... But he plays for melody. For That's sure, what he does. And yeah. I, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. I think there's it's not as far off that that kind of depth chart as say an Eddie Vedder, right. who you can't understand a, a single goddamn or he word. doesn't or he doesn't remember what he's saying. Yeah, and in, it's all uh, just yellow like, Ledbetter. Well, yeah, sure, that's a great <laughs> example, right? Yeah. Um, but 
Gort sings the words. It's just that he's changing them and, and based on how it's going to sound a well, lot of the, the times in that moment. He's working with the band. He's yeah. working with the band in, in the As delivery. He but he's also... It, it, totally. But he's also working with the with the subject matter of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things in this album, too. Some of these, you know, we've talked about some of the lines he drops where he's, you know, twist my arm. Do you want me? You know, he's really asking you that question. Do you want me with all that charm? Do you want me to, you know, and yeah. you can feel it in the delivery. I have a really, you know? I have a really hard time finding a peer for him uh, in listener engagement. Does anybody cha- mm. challenge directly the listener quite so much as he does? Like, mm. it's crazy. That's a good point. You know, um, especially in these early albums, like that's he kind of, you know, in the, in I think in later ones, maybe he tones it a bit and softens it a bit. But this Road Apples is one of these ones we we're talking about a statement thing. We we're talking about how powerful it is. Gord is really on point with this and the band is ready to follow him so, to the T. So the, the band, the band Spirit of the West toured with uh, the Tragically Hip and wrote a song that's somewhat sarcastic called Our Ambassador. Both bands are Canadian. But Gord gets recognized. He has this role to play, you know, and I think that this is before he has ascended to that mantle. Like, he's not our ambassador yet. Mm-hmm. And because mm. and because of that... But he's making a damn good case for it. Yeah, yeah. But, but because of that, he can... He can sort of more freely explore some of these things that mm-hmm. I I think he would be reticent to fully explore later on when he's a a real public figure, if only in the you know in this country. So within this mm-hmm. box, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a it's a cool song. I'm glad that you chose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean. I think I'll listen to it a little bit differently now. I like the song. I like it. I think it works well with the album. I like how it breaks up the pace a little bit, and then it... It's a fucking you know, right banger, Steve. Yeah, yeah, it's a right banger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I believe that's a, it's a fuck bombing yeah. right banger. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get it right. Um, um, so, so can let's, I just... Uh, I oh, don't mean please, to uh, please. denigrate Eddie Vedder. I love Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I love that band. I love okay. that band. Here, here. I love Eddie Vedder. All right, here, here. And I think we all feel... We'll right. save it for the Pearl Jam podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, you keep your ved points. You keep all your ved points. Um, so, so, should we open this thing up, guys? Um, you know, closing thoughts, overall thoughts on the album. I did get some insight from uh, our silent partner, uh, our producer Matt Walkie. He did tell me what Three Pistols is possibly a reference for. You want to go ahead okay. and fill us in here, Matt? Well, Three. Pistols is a, is a town in Quebec along the St. Lawrence River. Trois-Pistols. Trois yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've thought that too. I, don't, I have no idea what the relation is. So though. that's exactly, what, I'm sure yeah. that's what people were screaming at their, at their mm-hmm. cell phones as they listened yeah. to this. Or yeah. I don't know what, they, what people <laughs> listen to this on. Yeah, so it's probably a reference to that, but uh, yeah. what yeah. it is, I don't know. Um so anyway, yeah. Final thoughts on the on the record. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of notable songs we didn't talk about, and I don't think that we have time to get into each and every one. But sure, I mean, uh, like you were saying, uh, bring it all back to me. Sure. Um, I think Fiddler's Green is one of those beautiful yeah. songs that will always be remembered for um, just how powerful. In the it final, was. in the final concert. 
wow, the waterworks. Yeah. Like, I mean, oh yeah, yeah, like you know, you would look around and just see the the tears on the cheeks. Of yeah, and you want to talk about a, men, you know, yeah. a song that takes on a whole new, you know, a, not a whole new meaning, but like a more poignant meaning Absolutely. in that moment yeah. is the song Fiddler's Green. You know, sure. so to have that in your catalog to play on your final show ever, you know, yeah. To, well, it's, I remember they never played that song because of the subject matter, and um, I guess we, we shouldn't keep it inside. I mean, the, for those who don't know, the song is written for Gord's nephew who passed away as a child um, who was born with birth defects, and um, you never they never sang it. They mm-hmm. never sang it for, for years, and people can yell at their phones or not. I don't know. I'm 90% sure that the first time they played that song after, I'm going to say, 13 to 15 years was in Calgary at Mac Hall um, when they were doing a four-show stint. The warm-up for World Container. Yeah, I think we were at, I was at three of those shows, and I was, they played that song twice, so I heard it in the second show, but I wasn't at the time, the show they played at first. So, I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Tweet us at uh, whatever our Twitter account is. Brad's in charge of that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure that in Calgary, that was the first time they played that song for a very, yeah. very long time. And I mean, good Lord, like just everything about that song from just like the sweeping just guitar to gourd. Like you just feel like yeah. you're... You're taken away by it, and it's sad, and it's we like he's painting a picture. So we just painting it. Yeah. He describes a eulogy. I mean, it's mm. it's, yeah. it's yeah, it's sung first person as a eulogy. Um, you know, he describes some of the kinder, softer, you know, figures in a small town. You know, the people who aren't often heard from. It's um, yeah, yeah, it's a very very sweet song. Um, and then our names, and it's, our namesake, uh, last of the unplucked gems, right? Yeah, um, which fo- which directly follows that and closes out the album. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. This this has a little bit of everything. Like uh, "Born in the Water" is a political activist type yeah. song. This yeah. is him mm-hmm. singing with a purpose about Sault Ste. Marie and their language preposterous language language laws yeah yeah. english first language law and he says how could you do it like it's it's such a such an awesome how could you even try like what a what a just like you disappointing just you know what a shaming yeah a lot of shame that's a shame song yeah Yeah. for sure well i don't know guys. and then let's not even wait 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 let's not even let's not even i think we're forgetting a long time running yeah yeah is right in the middle of this album yep yeah. You know, you could end with Long Time Running, but you already have Fiddler's Green and, you know, Last of the Unplugged Gems. They're kind of the same. Like, it's like a two. Can I, can, go together, can I, you know? can I but, say long, long Time Running? Weather Man, Wet Fingers, oh, The yeah. Sky. How it, how, how it, <laughs> it makes you think of a Boy Scout putting licking his, finger, his finger, licking his finger and seeing which way the wind blows. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, these yeah. are things that he thought of that are exactly perfect and and they're of his own mind they're of his own creation he's coining he's coining these phrases all over the place it's just incredible yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um if 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 there's nothing more to say i uh i as the, as the host here i i would like to go around and ask again brad is this the best tragically hip album 
This is such well, a you great. Put on, you put you on you the put me on this. Yeah. Well, of course. You put me on the spot first, and and you do, it's it's so tough because if you give up your favorite card now, <laughs> that's you only get one favorite card, and then you know you're, all those other albums what? are going to go by. Wait and a second. Wish you I only it. get one favorite card. That's that's what you said yeah. last. Episode. <laughs> you said that last episode. You said that last episode. Okay. All right. Well, for me, it's um, my it's my favorite. I, I well, not yeah. not not. It's my favorite. It's the best. It's the Ooh, best. I, we get a half yes. Yeah, we get a half yes. Were you were you coerced? Because this happened last time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just. I think it's just. It's such a difficult question. It's such a difficult question because each each album kind of has a different. It means a different thing because of the period that you were listening to it when it came out. This sounds this like one, a no. This sounds like a no. I don't know. All best right. all right okay well that's it's up there it's up there no that's that's fair that's fair are um, we gonna go over albums that aren't up there not for a while anyway uh, <laughs> exactly that's yeah, yeah exactly that's true. exactly that's true. it's so, it's Brad's one of the most it's the... one of the most complete and it and it and it i think it hits a peak if... of what they were doing in their in their early stage on the road and stuff like this i think the next album is when we see a, a shift you know, into a new era of the hip. Yep. So this is kind of the last of the the ballsy young mm-hmm. road band that's mm-hmm. been hardened in the clubs and and stuff. This is the culmination of that, and they take it to a next level in the next album. But so for an era capping album, brutal, the best, brutal, absolutely brutal, Here's brutal that. response. Yeah. I don't mean to put <laughs> too fine a, a point on it, and this is not a congressional hearing, but. Answer the question, sir. Do you think that this is the best hip album ever? And if keep in mind, if you say no and then circle back to it, uh, I mean, how could you even Fine, try? I'll say no. How could you do it? How could you even try to do that? So you'll say no. Okay. Uh, I'll say no. It's upcoming. Uh, Steve? I'll tell you right now, you? I'm saving my card for Hippoponymous. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the wonderfully titled best of. I'm sorry. I got. I gotta say. I gotta say. To quote kids in the hall, best of albums are for housewives and little girls. That's fair, but not, <laughs> not with a name like hippopotamus. That's such a. Yeah. Um, tell you what, I'm not gonna prance around it. Sure. I'm not gonna sit here and say, uh, "Oh, I like it," and it's up there and anything like <laughs> right, that. Right. Like uh, some unnamed folks who's uh, Brad. Right, right. Um, I'm saying no. I'm going to say no, straight up no. I'm not going to circle around. Like, let, let's think about it like this, shall we? Okay. Let's think about it like this. Let's. Um, the, uh, let's think about it as hockey awards. You're looking for the Hart Trophy, the MVP. Canadian podcast. Let's go uh, up to here was the the Calder Trophy. That's the rookie of the year. Oh, wow. Road Apples, to me, we're looking at... Rocket Richard? No, I wasn't going to say the Rocket Richard. I was going to say... Lady Bing, most gentlemanly player. No, no, it's definitely not the Lady (laughs) Bing. It's the Norris. This is the um, best defenseman. Mm. So you do do you feel like the rhythm section of the band never plays better than they do now? Is that what you're trying to get at? The back yeah. end, the bones end, of the band. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I I definitely think that's true. This is to me. This is a tour de force, Gord Sinclair. Sure. I think that um, 
from a band perspective, they're oh so tight. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Front mm-hmm. to back, it's like eating a, a brisket all at one time, which I will do. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I've done it before. Um, but it's the Norris Trophy winner, and maybe like it's a little bit underappreciated. I'm, I'm, but what I guess what I'm getting at is maybe underappreciated is the wrong word, but we see the Norris Trophies for the best defenseman, mm-hmm. and that is um, the defenseman never wins the MVP. Right. Net, I yeah. mean, it's happened, but never. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Right. And so this is, it hit, it's hit the it unsung peak, hero. But I think that this band had room to go on top of that and to win the Hart Trophy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no, and I <laughs> the MVP will award. go with the Hart Trophy. No, no. that's gonna be in a further album. Well, well I, I, I eagerly await uh, the the best stamp of approval from both of you guys. Matt Walkie, is this the best album the Tragically Hip has ever put out? I'm gonna have to give my half yes to every. He album. said yes. Yeah. He said yes. <laughs> that's, that's a half. That's, that's a half. That's enough. We've heard from Matt. Best hip album ever. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to Cast of the Unplugged Gems. This has been Road Apples. It's been my great delight to host. Thank you so much, and tune in next for fully and completely. Thank you, John. Thank you all very much for listening to this episode of the show. Please do go check out the website, hipcast.readerroom.ca. Leave us a comment and find links there to subscribe to the show. We also want to extend a big thanks to Sebastian Abood for all the podcast artwork. Please check out his website at sebastianabood.com. That's Sebastian, A-B-B-O-U-D.com. This show is produced by Matt Wacky. Check out his portfolio and all the other projects that he works on at meterroom.ca. The show is co-produced by myself, Brad Van Perdon. You can check out my work at bradleyvanperdon.wordpress.com or get in touch with me on Twitter or Instagram at bvanperdon. Many thanks again for all the listeners and to my co-hosts, Steve Bard and John Gronin. We will catch you next time.